This is Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Adam Candy's in as the company. Ari is running the show. Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. Reno's in. Vegas is in. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. You know, can the little people have anything, Candy? I see a headline in the paper. Nevada DMV cracking down on, quote, classics. Local watchdog snitch, our buddy Mick Akers, says, if you've seen a car driving around with a classic vehicle plate and thought, quote, that's not a classic, you could be right. How about worry about your own car and not if mine or someone else's is a classic. The story goes on to say, since vehicles with classic rod, classic vehicle, old-timer or old-timer motorcycle plates aren't required to get an annual smog check for registration renewal, some motorists with older yet not exactly classic cars have been taking advantage of the system to skirt the smog requirement. Yeah. Um, what is going on here? So now there's a whole new set of rules. I, I just got to say, when I see... An 84 Honda or some bucket, you know, 82 Chevy uh, Chevy Celebrity with the classic plate. I just chuckle and I'm like, good for you. Some sort of, you know, freaking conversion van from 78. Good for you. Now, I guess there's going to be rules where if you want one of these classic plates, you can't drive it more than 5,000 miles a year. Breaks down to about 417 miles per month. What? I thought we all wanted smaller government. What is with this freaking encroaching on our territory? Come on. I'm going to tell you, it was probably a good solid five years ago, back when I actually gave a damn about things like Instagram, <laughs> that I would take photos around town as I saw these random buckets. Yeah, sure. And I would just put it on my Instagram like, oh, another classic, right? Like, And my friends thought it was a funny little joke. And like, oh, yeah, we go along with it, right? Whatever. No big deal. I didn't think we need the government involved in it. I, like, are they spying on me? Is that what happened here? Mm-hmm. Is this the, some sort of... Apparently the paper is. I'm sure we'll see a bunch of photos coming up on Twitter. I think that's it. This person's breaking the rule. They've got a, you know, 1987, you know, freaking Pontiac Grand Prix that looks like a piece of crap. Classic. <laughs> Worry about yourself. You got bigger problems. I know you do, whoever you are. <laughs> By the way, if I still had a lot of those cards that I grew up with, my buckets, I would love to have a classic tag on them. The classic tag should not be reserved for only the rich. And if I want to use my, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something. Uh, What what the hell, um, what's the, is it the Buick Roadmaster? You ever see one of those buttes? I've wanted one of those forever. That's my primary car. Now, I want to be able to drive a boat. And float down the road and go, classic. But if it's my primary car now, I can't get it. Oh, yeah. Awesome. You, you can't. use 4,999 miles, Cofield. That's it. You cannot drive any more than that. Only and the I wealthy think- can have a classic car. Okay. Nevada. God, this irks me. <laughs> Not that I was planning on getting another car, but maybe I would. Maybe maybe on principle. 
Maybe you would like to buy my 84 Olds Cutlass Supreme that I drove in high school. That I used to have guys in drive throughs and randos on the street offer to buy the car off me. I'm God, like, yeah, I, that'd be, I'd love the $1,000, but I need a car. I just don't know enough about cars and the emissions to really keep screaming and yelling about this. So maybe when we have Justin Watkins on tomorrow... He'll wow, understand as a public wow. servant. No, because I, I actually... Take my hairspray first. I actually, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and you still use it. You, have, you can have quite a pompadour if, if you want when you're officiating. You know, I've never asked you. Are you, are you one of these guys like... Uh, if, if people don't know, Adam Candy is a uh, rising star in the, uh, the professional referee and officiating world. Are you one of these guys like, uh, like Bill Clinton ref or uh, John Higgins who's like very concerned about your hair or... Or is this a no comment, move on? This could be a no comment, move on. Wow, I'm getting the silent treatment. Unbelievable. Okay, number three. Number three. Oh, radio is wonderful these days, isn't it? It is. Just play out the music. Just play out the music. Candy, are you with us? Oh, he's just... He's just looking around. He's just looking around. Hmm. That's sad. It's very sad. Okay, we move on. My question for the audience, for those of you who are from New Jersey or New York, why are so many of us, like Candy, like myself, I actually don't put us in this class, but why do we have to be such blank heads? In the way we treat Las Vegas hometown hero, home state hero, Joey Gallo, and New York Jet quarterback, Zach Wilson. Why do we have to be so mean? I loved what Robert Sala said this week, the head coach of the Jets, on Zach Wilson and giving him time. It's so funny with the Jets. The Jets came into the year as a building franchise, and in all likelihood, they were going to win five or six games. They're slightly ahead of schedule. And these morons who root for the Jets have totally lost sight of what the goal was. And that is to develop a team that's ready to go next year and beyond. And their impatience with Zach Wilson has led to some quarterback controversy with a guy, Mike White, who is a career backup and has no upside. Nor would you ever want Mike White starting for your organization Mike White versus Zach Wilson. I'm watching the game last week, and they, they're playing up the storyline. Hey, there's Mike White on the sideline. Zach Wilson just did something good. Oh, Mike White's clapping. He supports the other guy. He better. He's a career backup. He should be on the sideline clapping for the starter because he's going to be somewhere else soon. But people buy into these bonehead storylines, and I saw Robert Salas said the frustrating thing is that Zach Wilson is going to be a good quarterback, but the NFL – and this new instant coffee world that we're in just doesn't want to give people time. So we look at him, and he's just getting nitpicked with a fine-tooth comb. And I thought Zach Wilson had some moments in this last game against the Lions and deserves a lot more patience. And I mentioned Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo just got signed for $11 million by the Minnesota Twins. I think it's a hell of a deal. It's a good one for Gallo. I'm glad that Major League Baseball is not going to give up on the dude. And yet, because he was tortured into failure in New York, I still see New York people bagging 
on Joey Gallo. Like, it's done. All right? You tried to ruin him. He's moved on. He's going to make money. I'm a Yankee fan. I hope he comes to Yankee Stadium with the Twins and freaking hits 50 home runs in a series. Because the way you treat athletes sometimes is absolute crap. Number two. This is a frustrating time with the Golden Knights. Why can't this team win at home? Another loss last night for uh, the Knights against Buffalo. It's been poor play going back weeks and weeks and weeks. We're going to take a ad-lib time out here. We're going to address this on the way back. It's Cofield and Company here on a Tuesday. The last play is inexcusable. And I have never seen anything like this in my life. And for it to happen to the New England Patriots, man, this is the most unpatriotic play of all time. I was going to say that. Is it? If you watch him on the sideline, Matty P claps like four times. Is he clapping good job? Stop. Or is he like, stop? Get down. The clap there kind of makes me wonder a little bit what was going on. Meet me under the mistletoe, midnight Christmas Eve. Your sweet kiss is the first gift I'd like to The Long Brothers on their podcast talking about Matt Patricia. And Chris Long certainly has experience around him and pointed out something pretty good there. Miles Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk, our NFL insider. Candy is here as well. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, guys. Happy holidays. Uh, weird happy holidays to you, and it was a very happy beginning of the holiday season. It fell, uh, started on Sunday with the Patriots embarrassing themselves. What did you think, because I know you said the, the kind of the stink of that play still hasn't worn off. It's just, it's amazing. What do you think of what Chris Long was saying there about Matt Patricia I wonder if he was like, "Yeah, hey, we're making a good play." Like, dude, what are you doing? Is this? Do you have any clue what's going on? Um, I, I think we could ask that about Matt Patricia. The the question of does he have any idea what's going on for basically every single year that Matt Patricia has been in the National Football League since he went to coach the Detroit Lions. So, I mean. You know, this is what happens when you hire a defensive coordinator and failed head coach to run your offense and a former special teams coordinator who spent a year coaching wide receivers and another failed head coach to somehow coach up your quarterback. I just I don't understand what Bill Belichick was doing there. And I I, I know we all kind of killed him for it. You know, the decision to do this um, before the season. But I mean, if anybody else had done this. You w- we would have thought that this was bat bleep insane, yep. right? And it turns out that it is. And so, yeah, it, this is just very emblematic of, I guess, sort of a what seems like a loss of control for what's really going on there from Bill Belichick. And then who's going to step in and say, hey, Bill, you're, you're losing it, man. Get it together. No, the crafts. No, right? I mean, they're gonna, the, the, will they? I, I think that they will. Look, I mean, uh, Robert Kraft has made some comments in the past that – have been like, hey, we haven't been out of the first round of the playoffs in a while. You know, I mean, they haven't been since 2018 when they won the Super Bowl. And that was the worst Super Bowl of all time. So, I mean, you know, that's a great thing to have. But still, it's like it's one of those things where there's a lifetime limit that you reach of everybody, right? I mean, Andy Reid, one of the best head coaches of all time, they reach their lifetime limit of him in Philadelphia, and what does he do but go down to Kansas City and win yep. seven straight AFC West titles? So it's not like Bill Belichick is still a bad coach, but sometimes you just reach a point where maybe you do need to change the scenery. Well, and the other part of this for Patriots fans who have every right to be angry, and I'm not going to get mad at them because, you know, all they've done is won. They should have kept winning. 
Um, yes. You know, I talk about Job of the Bull and that whole breakup of the Bulls with uh, Pippen and Jordan, and that was an arrogance thing. And frankly, you look back on it, and it's not like Brady, you know, he's, he's having a solid year. The Buccaneers are not a great team. But they, I mean, let's be honest, they ran off Brady. Like, Brady saw the handwriting on the wall. Like, where is the offensive talent around me? They right. they blew this thing up prematurely because of egos. Absolutely they did. And, and I think that became more and more clear over the last couple of years, right? It, the 19 Patriots offense was not very good, and that wasn't because of Tom Brady. I mean, that time where, you know, we see him in, what, I guess it was the wild card round, and they lose to the Tennessee Titans – and Logan Ryan is picking him off, and we're like, oh my gosh, I guess that's the end of Tom Brady. And no, obviously. And he's still, he can still throw the football. You know, he's going to probably lead the league in attempts, which I think is a bad strategy for a 45 year old quarterback. But at the same time, it's not all him that's going wrong down there in Tampa Bay. He's not necessarily been helping all that much unless it's, you know, within one score and there's two minutes left in the game. But other than that, I mean, everything is bad in Tampa Bay. It's not just him. Al Simmons with us, Pro Football Talk. Did you go back to Cleveland already? I, I did, yes. I am uh, I am in my mother's house right now looking at a Christmas tree. It's very nice. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Real tree, fake tree? Fake tree. Exactly. It's no, the only way to go, yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely absurd now. You, you, you can't do the... You can't do the real tree anymore. God bless you folks who uh, try to do it. Um, one last thing on this. Uh, <laughs> Scott Zolak, who was on the call... Of, uh, as we're calling, I'm not doing lateral damage or any other, you know, hail moron or any of the stupid stuff. It's either, uh, Sin City Surprise. Okay. Sin City Surprise is not bad. Uh, Kill Thank Bill is, is not bad. I've seen that one. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's I've, funny. I've been going with Belichick's Boner or Belichick's Blunder or Belichick's Bungle. Um, Scott Zolak on the broadcast, you know, he, he's a heated guy, good and bad. He gets fired up for the Patriots. He said that play and that execution was a heads roll. Moment. I don't think I don't think anyone's head is going to roll now. Who is? I mean, is it Patricia who ultimately is just you know whatever, given a cushy exit out? What do they do? Well, they can reassign that Patricia. I mean, I don't, uh, and they can reassign Joe Judge. And it's not like those two dudes weren't bad at their former jobs with the Patriots, right? I mean, it's the same sort of thing with Josh McDaniels, where he goes back and he excels as offensive coordinator for years and years and years. Just put those guys where they're supposed to be and don't have the square peg in the round hole. I mean, the rumor has it that Bill O'Brien is likely to come back with the Patriots after this season. So if that is to happen, then great. But I don't know if this thing goes off the rails, and I'm not making this up. I've seen this out of you know New England, Boston, whatever you want to call it. That I wouldn't put it past Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots to go their separate ways after this season if things continue down the path that they're going down right now. Mm. Miles, the one thing we have not talked a lot about in the last few weeks of the Patriots because there have been so many other weird things that have gone wrong or strange things that have happened in their games is just how abysmal Mac Jones has been. And the fact that I'm not here to crown Bailey Zappi by any stretch of the imagination, but in a year when Brock Purdy and Mike White are out there balling, why is Bailey Zappi on the sideline? Um, Because Mac Jones was drafted 15th overall, and in theory, Mac Jones should be your quarterback of the present and the future. I mean, they, if I, I, 
if Mac Jones had a real offensive coordinator and somebody who could continue his progression, then I don't know that he would look as bad as he looks. I mean, what is he being taught by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? Who of those guys developed as quarterbacks? It's very obvious that Mac Jones is frustrated with the way that things have gone because you see it on the field. And I was discussing with my buddies. I don't remember if I said it here or somewhere else. But, you know, if anybody else, as much as I kind of love Mac Jones telling Patricia or whoever to F off on the field. But think about if that was Cam Newton telling his Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator to F off in 2012 when he was a second-year quarterback, how would we all have reacted? Even if it were Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen in the last couple years. It's kind of weird that Mac Jones has kind of gotten, I don't know, a pass for this. But then we all see like, oh, well, Matt Patricia's his offensive coordinator, so he should be ticked off. So, I don't know. I, I just... I feel like it's kind of hard to evaluate what Mac Jones should be because of the Frankenstein offensive play calling approach that the Patriots have taken this year. Take it from a Giants fan talking about a quarterback named Jones. If you want to spend years blaming it on other people (laughs) only to find out when you put in a reasonable offensive mind that you know what that quarterback is, he's meh, he's fine, he's okay, then you could do that. You are more than welcome to do that. But... That's what the Giants found out with Daniel Jones. Feels to me like that's the direction they're going with Mac Jones. Well, anyway, what makes you what makes you think Bailey Zappi is any more than meh? I mean, it's the same thing. Because we at least saw him play well this year. We have not. He, we haven't it's seen the Mac same Jones thing play people well. are going on about Brock Purdy. I mean, like in Brock Purdy, I, I, I sounds like I'm putting Brock Purdy down, and I'm not. He's taking advantage of having a lot of college experience, you know, and being in a great, great place with the San Francisco 49ers that is just so quarterback friendly. But I mean. Brock Purdy's not making throws out there like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or you know Justin Herbert or any of those guys that have you know decent arm strength. Not even Mike White. I like Mike White's arm better than you know those two guys. All right. So Raiders and Patriots, only one of many, many crazy finishes. Colts, Vikings. But look, you, I know that you you work for Pro Football Talk. That doesn't mean you are Pro Football Talk. But I'm going to ask oh you a question about a tweet from Pro Football Talk in which. <laughs> Someone within the PFT world suggested that what happened at the end of the Giants and Commanders game with the discussion between the referee and Terry McLaurin and are you on the line, etc., could lead to a pathway to a Tim Donahue scandal. And Miles, you know I'm an official, so you know I probably take this a little more personally than others. That felt a little bit over the top to me, but I am an, I'm a reasonable human being who, who is willing to listen to an explanation as to why that is because to me it sounds nuts but maybe you can connect the dots for me well it i I, it sounded a little nuts when i heard it um over the air on the show yesterday when mike florio said that um and, and what he's basically saying is that when people see things like that with officials and you hear terry mclaurin say after the game that the official told him he was good being on the line but then he's the official standing there with his hand on his flag, just basically ready to throw it, basically like, yeah, I've got you. I know that you're not on the line of scrimmage, even though you know we've kind of had a little back and forth that basically receivers have with the sideline official on every single play. That's kind of what he's talking about, where officials can influence and affect games from that standpoint. Now, I'm not ready to make that giant leap to that particular conclusion. What I think the bigger problem is in that situation is that when you have receivers and you have officials and you have players and officials just generally, there's there's a certain sense of trust that you have to have between the player and the official. And I think something like that where 
whether or not the silent official actually said Terry McLaurin was fine, that's what McLaurin says he heard. And in, in that situation, that erodes the trust between the official and the player. And I think that's an issue. And I'm not ready to just go and say, oh, wow, you know, that it shows, it gives some credence to fans thinking that dudes may be on the take. I don't, I don't believe that. Miles, we appreciate you carving out some time. Thank you for all the fine work. We uh, hopefully will talk to you before New Year's. Enjoy the rest of the holiday and good spot, man. All right, guys. Take care. There he is. Miles Simmons with us here on Cofield and Company. Nevada Sports Talk Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. You know what I want to? What you want? 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 I want a puppy for Hanukkah. Want a puppy? 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 And I'ma get just what I wanted. Yep. Go go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Go. I'ma get a puppy for Hanukkah. Adam Candy's here. It's Cofield just past the halfway point of the show. Uh, Candy, let's revisit what you were just hitting with Miles Simmons before we ran out of time there about the Terry McLaurin commanders. Uh, he checks with the official twice. He exactly what happened. Explain it again. What what happened? Why did he think or what did he think he was asking? And we saw the official. It didn't look like he did anything except throw a flag. Okay, how many times during a game do you see the receiver on the end of the line point over at the official? A lot. He's checking to see if he's in the right spot on the line. And in some situations, they need to be covering the end. In some situations, they not they do not need to be covering the end. You want more than that? Go look up the rule book. The point of the matter is that the receiver is checking with the official to see if he's in the right place. But let's make one thing clear about all situations with referees. It is not the job of the referee to make sure that the player is acting according to the rules. They can help, and obviously that relationship is something that they've developed. If the player is going to take the time to check to say, am I in the right spot? Yes, most times the official is going to give them the courtesy of making sure they're in the right spot. But look at that video. Look closer at that video. What the referee does is he points up to the line. He doesn't give him the fist out to the side. He doesn't give him a head nod. He points to the line to tell him where he needs to be. And it's clear that Terry McLaurin is a good, solid, full yard off the line. Well, he scoots up a little bit, but he doesn't get to where he needs to be. So the official can see, okay, I'm going to probably end up throwing a penalty flag on this play. And to the idea that Terry McLaurin heard something, I'm just going to put this to logic, Steve. That is a stadium with 61,000 people cheering on the biggest play of the game with Washington going for the tying touchdown. Are we sure he could hear him? Are we sure he could hear anything in that stadium at that point? How often do we see quarterbacks have to run, throw hand signals out to the players to show them what's going on? So anyway, the idea that the officials could be on the take, that the idea that Florio put out there, that this could lead to a Tim Donahue kind of scandal. If you don't know who we're talking about, the NBA referee who bet on games and was then uh, discovered to have been affecting calls based on his bets. So you're telling me that this guy, this referee in the commander's game, knew the situation was coming. Oh, he's ready for it. In a game that's going to have 130 plays, he's ready for that one situation that's definitely going to happen, that he's manipulated the entire game from his one of seven referee position where he has only a certain amount of players to watch, only a certain part of the field that's his responsibility. You're telling me that that is what's going to lead 
to a scandal in a game. That is horse crap. Florio knows better. He's looking for clicks, and he's looking for engagement. And it's irresponsible and sophomoric, and he's just flat-out stupid. That official deserves to be able to demand a retraction for that sort of thing. You want to say that the pass interference call in the end zone was garbage, that the official shouldn't have swallowed their whistle? I'm right there with you. That's pass interference. There's no question about the fact that that's pass interference. But the idea that an official communicating with a player and there being some level of miscommunication on the biggest play of the game with a screaming stadium being a pathway to a Tim Donahue scandal, just stop it. Absolutely give up that crap. Giveaway time. 364-1100-364-1100. We got a couple of tickets to Iggy Pop, special guest as well, Iggy Pop. Coming up in 2023, in April of 2023, but it's your chance to get tickets right now. They are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. It's the Pearl at the Palms, 364-1100-364-1100, caller number seven. It is interesting, though, and that, that was a strong comeback to all this, but the NFL did open this door by embracing legalized sports gambling, by having owners own back-end interest, in these sports books, people are going to question the integrity of the game. And you're right. I don't think it's believable in this case. And I think Florio's being irresponsible. But the NFL sort of asked for all this. This hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Alerts. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. We traveled all the way from freaking New Jersey to come here to see Joe Burrow Crucify Deshaun Watson. Let's f***ing go, Joe Burrow. Wow! Mama's kissing Santa Claus. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studios. You better not do it with that filthy mouth. What the f*** she doing? Fired up for Joe Burrow. Happy holidays, everybody! All right. Adam Candy's here. Sam Paniotovich is in. What's up, Sam? I am very excited because Adam Candy's here. I get him. He's like the box of chocolates. You never know when you're going to get him, and when you get him, it's always the right time. So it is, that, is, that. that is awesome. He's very thankful. He's giving me signs right now because he can't hear you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Candy, would you like to say thank you to Sam Paniotovich? It was very nice to you there. That, that actually was very kind. I won't even take it as a cliche reference to candy. I, I know that it was heartfelt <laughs> from, uh, from Sammy, and, and I feel the same way about me getting to be here on a Tuesday and, and getting to chop it, up with, uh, chop it up with my boy about uh, that rigged NFL. Oh, no. Oh, well, yeah, the NFL is very rigged. We all know that. Do you want oh, to yeah. oh, roll, roll this Florio thing by him? Oh, I, I, I don't need to roll it by him. Sam's going to know all about it. Sam knows, Sam knows Florio's act. Sam knows Florio getting out there and saying that uh, that, that a ref uh, didn't tell Terry McLaurin exactly where to stand, and so the NFL it's it's uh, it's going to have a Tim Donahue scandal, right? And 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 a bar stool guy says it's all rigged, so it's rigged. Well, yeah, and that was something that actually came up. Um, you know, Dan's a, a good buddy of mine, Barstool Big Cat, and um, you know the the wild thing about that tweet, and Dan's not thinking about this at the time. You know, how many ads is he on for Barstool Sportsbook? Um, so for a heavy hitter at a company like that to make a tweet like that, I mean, obviously he's joking because a lot of his stuff is satire, but that can certainly be taken the wrong way. I know he didn't mean it that way, but 
um, you know, this is crossing that gray area. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going from black and white into a, a middle, and there are a lot of things that, um, you know, make people upset about this game. And then you see where officials spot football sometimes, and you see flags thrown where they shouldn't be thrown. And uh, it does make the mind wander, that's for sure. I mean, do I think the NFL is rigged? No. Um, but, I mean, there are certainly more slings and arrows from different directions than there have been ever before, and that's because we can now legally bet on the NFL in 30-plus states. Yeah, and, I, and you know what? I think the thing about Big Cat with Dan that it comes back to in the end is I think the Barstool guys are very used to talking to the Barstool audience and that, that everybody in the Barstool audience is kind of in on the joke. Well, the platform's a lot bigger now. Right, like, like you're out there, and because of Barstool Sportsbook in particular, more people are paying attention. And of course, Barstool Sportsbook is part of that legalized sports betting landscape that you're talking about, Sammy. And there just is there just is less room for nuance in all of this stuff. Whether it's the commentators, whether it's the officials, it, the perception grows really fast. No doubt about it, man. And, you know, this is something that, you know, the more that we can jump into the pool, the better it is for legality and the black market to go away. Um, you know, you talk to the guys, Tony Miller at the Nugget, Chris Andrews at South Point, uh, Jay, Jeff, and Ed over at Westgate, John Murray, Westgate, you know, Metcalf, at Circa, they all say the same thing. Look, the more regulation, the better. Because we don't want shady stuff to happen. Like, if there's some shady stuff going on, we are going to lose money because of it. And if that's the case... That's a problem. So when you get this stuff to go by gaming boards and you get all these red flags and they're all basically accounted for and ironed out, that's good for business. The sports books, the last thing the sports books want is shady stuff going on. Does it look like there's shady stuff going on sometimes? Yes. But the good thing about it is usually things end and they happen very quickly, like the Donaghy stuff. All right, maybe, maybe it took longer than it should have. But he served his time, and he's no longer roughing games in the NBA. So eventually, it all comes out in the wash. But let's be very clear. Sportsbooks do not want fixed games because it comes out of their bottom line. Sam Pinyadovich, Nesson, Fox Sports is with us. Sorry, let's turn to the NFL. What are we doing with all these low totals? And there's some crazy low totals in the NFL. Yeah, I saw one of the games is like 31.5 now, which is one of the lowest totals we've seen in about 15 years, I think, uh, that's New Orleans and Cleveland. I see 31-and-a-half at a couple different shops in Las Vegas right now. Just to give you some context on how low that is, it would be the lowest total since 2008, and that's when the Bengals and Browns had a total close 31. The final score was 14 nothing. Um, look, I, I was told a long time ago by a guy who took bets in Chicago, he said high totals are high for a reason. Low totals are low for a reason. And you look at some of these forecasts, especially Buffalo, Chicago, uh, in my backyard. I'm out here in Chicago right now for Christmas. They're talking about like two, three feet of snow, wind, all that stuff. Um, You know, I don't know that the books make these totals low enough sometimes, if that makes any sense. Like like that Buffalo-Chicago game is 40 right now. If they get hit with snow on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday like they're supposed to in Chicago, that total is going to be 34, 34 and a half. So in some weird way, you can, like, get ahead of this stuff by looking at the forecast. You know if the forecast actually comes to fruition, the total is going to go. So you can, you can bet right now under 40 Buffalo-Chicago, and if it's a snow globe game, that total could be a touchdown lower. Then you could potentially middle it. You could go over 33 and have under 40. You could be in a really good spot um, because, you know, once the snow starts to hit the ground, the number is going to move no matter what. If you get ahead of it, though, you can beat the steam on this stuff. Sam Penny out of it with us. 
What are we, first of all, are you bothered by the game that a lot of coaches will take advantage of? And that is, you're not going to really find out about my injuries until the very last minute, like Nick Sirianni's taking advantage of right now with Jalen Hurts. Does that bother you as a gambler? No, it doesn't, because the market says he's not playing. Um, I mean, that's very clear. This thing opened one and a half. Um, some books opened it two, and now we're sitting Philly minus five. or Sorry, Dallas minus five. Excuse me. Um, so I don't need to wait until Saturday or Sunday to know that Jalen Hurts is likely going to miss. Now, look, there's a chance he plays, but when you think about it, you take a step back. If you're Philadelphia right now and you're in that front office, why would you play him? There's absolutely no reason to throw him out there, hmm. nurse him up, get him ready to go. You don't need him in this game. And, and you know, when you really think about it, Steve, you look at the NFC Conference, Philly's 13-1. and one. They have a two-game lead on Minnesota. Vikings are 11-3. and three. And, oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> Philly has the tiebreaker. They yeah. beat Minnesota. Yeah, so yeah. they essentially have a three-game lead. Gardner Minshew is a very capable backup. He knows this offense. Um, and I, I honestly might, like, I might take six with Philly. I think that's an over-adjustment in the market. Um, we know it's going to tick back up, assuming Hertz is out. But you and I have talked about this for years now. Look, I don't need to wait until Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I can just look at the amount of money that came into these counters and moved it from one-and-a-half to four, four-and-a-half, five, five-and-a-half. Like, the line says he's not playing. And, and I don't need to wait because that's what the market is telling me. The betters are telling me that. And the bookmakers are telling me that just by moving the number. But you hit on something key, mentioning a six. If I want to side with Minshew Mania, do I have to wait this out a little bit till people go hog wild on Saturday and Sunday, maybe pushing it way up? Yeah, it'll only go up. Like it, Once the news comes out and you see it on the ticker that Gardner Minshew is going to start for Philly, and again, I'm, I'm speculating, but I'm coming from a good place of knowing how this stuff works. You're going to see this game, which is lined right now, five at Circa, five and a half at South Point, four and a half at Westgate. Like, it's going to run six, which I'll tell you what, man, if, if you can give me the Eagles on the money line at two to one, I have made worse bets in my life than betting on a backup quarterback. The good thing about a backup quarterback is that the defense usually picks it up. Like, it's sort of like the Patrick Ewing, you know, fallen star theory. When the, the star goes down, the next game the team usually – kind of rallies around itself and guys play better. They live up to the hype. Um, I don't hate Philadelphia two to one on the money line to go into Dallas and win. Dallas is good, but they're not great. And uh, yeah, obviously Minshew's no Jalen Hurts, but uh, Gardner Minshew's won some big football games in his life and he's an accurate quarterback. He gets the ball to guys in space. They do the rest. I don't think that's a bad bet at all. Definitely plus six I'll play. And um, I'm sort of talking myself into Philly two to one on the money line. Let's play that out though Sam because every element that would send this game to six and even possibly beyond is there for this thing you've got Dallas right you have the ultimate public side you have a piece of news with Hertz and Minshew that is going to blow it up like you mentioned you've got the fact that this is essentially an island game because of the way the schedule is set up I mean I'm absolutely with you on taking six with Philadelphia just speculate with me here for a second you think you can get past six um, well, if I put my wise guy hat on for a second, I, I know they'd love to wait for seven, but I don't think we get to seven because then these books get middled. You know, you have the guys that, that laid one and a half, two with Dallas, even two and a half up to three. They're going to come back heavy on, on Philly plus seven. Now that's not everybody, you know, those aren't little old ladies middling games like that. But I, I imagine the last thing the bookmaker wants to do in this game is move it to seven because then they could get middled bad. Like, if the game were to land six, think about that. All the Dallas money that's been written up to six, and then you move to seven, 
and the game lands 26-20, we're talking about the nuts, and the books are going to lose everything on that game. So I, I, I usually try and think like a bookmaker in situations like this. Six, six and a half is probably the ceiling. I'm more inclined to think it's six, though, because I don't think the gap between Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew is, is that large. I mean, they opened at one and a half. Is Hurts really five, five and a half points better than Minshew? I don't think so. Some might, but I'm not there. So I think the ceiling is probably six. That, I, I think that's, that's fair. It's Cofield and Company, Sam Paniotovich is with us. All right, we got about two minutes left. Candy, I want you to uh, intro the audience to the mobile betting issues that we've got here, and we want the national take on just how disturbing this is. Yeah, I'll stop short and disturbing, but I know Sam's going to understand exactly what I'm talking about because you spent enough time in Vegas to know that most of the sports betting apps in Vegas are different than they are in the rest of the country. And often we're talking about having better technology elsewhere in the country. So Todd Dewey from the Review Journal talked to a bunch of folks, talked to some pros, talked to some bookmakers essentially about, you know, what are the best sports betting apps in Nevada? And they were talking about what the different functions are, and there, there just aren't that many in the first place. So I guess maybe I'm just give me your perspective as someone who sees it from states elsewhere versus Nevada about what the differences are in those apps. Well, I think it's functionality. That's that's always the thing that, that I pay attention to the most. Like how quick can I get a live number and how quick can I bet um, on top of how much am I allowed to bet? You know, my some of my friends can only bet 25 bucks or less. But I think you know, just, just having the app that's easy to use, and, and Luke Finicaro, my buddy, was quoted in the story. He said, look, we want apps that are extremely easy to use. If I can navigate in the app, then anyone can. He's a guy who, you know, still wears his glasses on his forehead <laughs> like Cofield. So, I, you know, it's, it's being able to just get what you want in a timely manner. And I think some of the apps, I don't, I don't know if chunky is the right word, but they're, they're, they're chunky and clunky. You know, like the, it takes too long to load. Um, by the time you get a bet in, the market's off the board. Um, and a lot of the Vegas books, guys, like they're not dabbling in the live stuff like the DraftKings and FanDuel's and points bets because they just they don't see an edge in booking live like that, like you know, constant live, like throughout the whole NFL game. Like a lot of books, they do it you know, during the timeouts and stuff because it's easier to manage. But I, I think you know, getting too deep in the weeds here is a problem. People want simple. They want easy to use. And the ones that are the easiest to use, like Circa and Westgate, like those are the best apps to me in Vegas. Those are the easiest to use because they function at the highest rate. Sammy, enjoy uh, Chicago. We will track you down next week, and I hope you win some of these total plays, especially if you do go aggressive on the unders. All right, hey, think about the Packers, 7-1 to make the playoffs. Not a bad bet. They beat Miami. That number is going to go down to 3-1. to one. Think about it. All right. That was for you, audience. That was for you. I don't think I'm going to think about it. I think I'm going to stay away from that one, but... You're saying they got a shot. You're saying they got a shot. Hey, reminder, LV Sports Network is where you want to be listening, especially next week for New Year's. Cool giveaway. We're going to have Kevin Hart tickets. Reality Check Tour will be in Vegas on New Year's Eve. We'll have your tickets. That's next week. Next week. You can listen to the archives of this show and the show itself live. LVSportsNetwork.com.